0: Anglican Diocese of the South. Thank you for listening.
1: Hey, everybody. This is Canon Greg. I am here with Rachel Mormon, our ADOT communications associate, and we're recording the first podcast in a series of podcasts talking with some of our speakers from our recent Mission Matters conference. And I'm just working through some of their notes and the things they presented in their workshops and. Um, just give them a chance to share with everybody some of the things that were shared in the workshop. So, Rachel, good morning.
0: Good morning.
1: Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to join me and just chat about parish communications and those kind of fun things. I'm going to give everybody a little bit of your bio. Rachel joined us on staff here in 2016 as a writer. She's writing uh, stories from parishes as people share those stories with her and helping us publish those throughout the diocese and and beyond. She's a graduate of Ball State University Honors College with a B.A. in telecommunications and news, and she worked previously at several radio and TV stations around Indiana as a news producer and writer. Rachel and her husband, Rand, not Randy, Rusty, (laughs) along with her. Do you have another husband named Randy? (laughs) I do not. (laughs) Okay. Rusty and Rachel, along with their school-aged kids, live in Knoxville, Tennessee, and they are faithful members of Old North Abbey and uh, enjoying, and she writes that she's enjoying the peacefulness of the Anglican tradition. I like how you wrote that into your bio, the peacefulness of the <laughs> Anglican tradition and liturgy, and the people at Old North Abbey who've embraced her and her family. How did you uh, yeah. decide to get into journalism and news and, and storytelling and communications, the communications world?
0: You know, I, I got into it when I was really young as an eighth grader. Um, our Our high school had a really great radio station, and they kind of tried to tap into some eighth grade talent, tried to you know, get some people going for coming up into high school. And I, I got to be a middle school reporter where I called in some kind of little report about what's happening at the middle school every once in a while. And I don't even know if those ever aired or not, but
1: it was fun. Okay. So you, you caught the bug for news in eighth grade and they had a great, that's pretty cool to hear that a high school has a great journalism program.
0: Yeah, it was great. It was great fun. I got really involved with it there. And um, so radio was kind of my first thing that I really loved. I loved listening to the radio. Um, Indianapolis, where I grew up, had a really, uh, really well listened to AM talk radio station that was more than just uh, pundits, you know, talking Mm -hmm. all the time. And it was, um, so it was kind of a little bit of a culture there as well and uh, so that's how i got into it and continued that in in college and uh, went from there so yeah it's always been something that i've really really enjoyed
1: well we're thankful that you're taking your experience and bringing it to the world of the of parish life and I've, I've enjoyed reading your stories we've been able to publish stories uh everywhere from what's going on in the local church outreach into the communities um, partner ministries like Anglican Relief and Development Fund, the Ministry of Deacons, devotional materials, Spanish language ministries, mission trips, um, you know, just around the gamut. We, we just really, both Rachel and I are really excited about finding ways to help the church, the local church, share what God's doing there with the other churches for inspiration, for ideas, for fellowship, for connection. Um, and we just love to see more and more journalists and, and people out in the, um, in the churches. Uh- Um, Sharing.
0: Yeah, and I've just really loved being a part of it. Before being part of the Anglican Church, I was not in a church where there was kind of a an overarching network, and it's just really beautiful to see all the different things that are happening throughout the diocese, throughout the province. And I really love getting to know people in different places around the diocese and, and how they're ministering and and just the bigger story of what everyone is doing. And so it's really been a real blessing to me. I've really, really loved it.
1: That's great to hear. And it just kind of reinforces that sense that we're really one church, even if we're in different geographical locations. Um, Before I ask you a couple questions and get into your workshop topic, I want to make a little plug for some of our communication channels. Um, We're on Facebook at Anglican Diocese of the South. That's Literally, that's all one word. So (laughs) Anglican Diocese of the South. But you can just do a search for Anglican Diocese of the South there, Twitter at ADOTS underscore AZNA. We're on SoundCloud for our podcasts. We're also on Apple Podcasts and pretty much anywhere else you can get podcasts for our audio, which includes some sermons and podcasts like this. Our website is ADOTS You can subscribe to our news there. We send out a most of the time monthly newsletter. Um, there's a subscribe button right there. Um, you can email us at news at ADOTs.org, and you can join our parish network, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. If you are a right. member of one of the A churches, so we'll get we'll get back to that. Circle back, but let me ask you first: um, Why is it important to share what's going on in your parish?
0: Well, I think that as you have been managing communications for the diocese, and I've been helping you with that, and as as I've been Talking and with people around the diocese, you know, about their different happenings at their parishes, I've really gotten a sense of um, everyone maybe kind of wanting to know more about what's going on with everyone else, and and like I mentioned, the bigger picture. And I think we recognize that in our own churches that we that we don't um, that we're not supposed to work by ourselves. You know, we're we have the the passage from First Corinthians where. We're talking about gifts and that there's a variety of gifts, but we have the same spirit and, um, you know, that we can't say one to another, we can't say to each other, Oh, I have no need of you. No, we need to all be working together to be a complete body. And so just as we recognize that we need to do that in our own churches, that's also true in the bigger picture of our diocese. And you gave me the great example of, well, if the, if the bishop, is acting as the pastor, then the diocese is the entire church, is the is the church body, in that kind of comparison. So in that way, not only do we need to be recognizing what we're doing in our own churches that is through our gifts, but also then how does our our entire church and our gifts there fit within the entire rest of the of the diocese and and sharing that you know helps us become a more complete full body of Christ.
1: Hmm. That's great. And, and something you and I have talked a lot about and maybe shared with a few others uh, be great to, to mention now is, is that idea of lateral communication where uh, folks are talking to each other and sharing with each other across within a parish and maybe between parishes. And what are your thoughts on, on the importance of that lateral communication?
0: Well, I think that, you know, often we rely on our rectors and clergy to be connecting with each other in the diocese Mm. or and and they carry a lot of you know they carry a lot of burden of the church and as we have more and more laity that are stepping into leadership roles you know we don't always have to go through the rector or through the hub of the Mm. diocese uh centrally in order to connect with each other and that just that releases you know the burden of trying to put all of that on one person all of the time. And there's really no reason, um, except for not knowing maybe who to contact. And mm-hmm. that's something we want to work on. There's really no reason to not be talking laterally between churches instead of, you know, trying to, instead of going through a hub all the time.
1: That's great. You know, there there's that, you know, I, I encountered that all the time. There's a sense that, Uh, that you would have to go through the rector, maybe the vestry or something have to be official to have a a network of communication or to call it like, for example, if you're doing youth ministry, just get a hold of another youth minister in another church or form a network. And the bishops and and I and, and the lay leaders of our diocese are really trying to foster a greater culture of just lateral communication, just people feeling like they know each other, they can contact each other, and they don't necessarily have to go through Anybody else to share ideas on ministry and mission? So thanks for your part in it. And um, yeah, I think that's cool.
0: absolutely correct.
1: Yeah. Cool. Um, so uh, one of the things you have on your handout here is what is what part of the body is my parish? Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Like how does how does how should we see our parish within the wider church, and how can we understand? you know, our particular parishes, I think you might say, like, giftedness or uniqueness or, or um, yeah, uniqueness.
0: Right. I, I kind of just described it as, you know, how do you see your body as a whole? How would you describe your body to, to someone else? And hmm. um, it's, we, we can start with our church's mission statement if you have one, but that might not always kind of embody the gift and the spirit that is going on in that church. So another item that I noted was what are the values that are promoted and encouraged by clergy? Because usually those are going to be what people are out doing it within their body and without their, without their body, you know, in the community. And Mm so what are those values? That's, that's a place to start. You know, what, what does our rector and what does our clergy, what do they encourage? What kind of, uh, values do they encourage within us and then how would you just generally describe the atmosphere of your church um and i I can get into that a little bit more when we are talking about some different items here like first of all i would think about the people who are you as a church how would you describe the people of your church in general are you service oriented do you have people who are just you know outreach all the time are you compassionate Do you have a group of, you know, do you have a strong sense of prayer, a prayerful community of people? Um, And then who in particular would you identify as embodying this gift? And a lot of times the kind of ministries that you'll see in your church, they go along with, you know, how people generally are expressing their faith. So one thing that made me think about this was I, I did an interview about, I did several interviews about Stephen ministry. And okay. if you're not familiar with Stephen Ministry, it's, uh, it's a ministry where people are basically listening to others as they're struggling mm-hmm. with, you know, just a rough time in their life. It's not counseling per se, necessarily, uh, you know, it's sometimes referring them to resources that they can, that they might need as they're walking through a tough time. But it's mostly conversation and listening and being a compassionate ear. And okay. So, I was talking with Joyce Bowman. She's a seasoned minister at St. Peter's in Frankfort, Kentucky. And she was saying to me, you know, our body is just so compassionate. We're very giving and loving. And it's not forced, it's just the spirit in mm. this body. Wow. And, and I thought, that's just so perfect how season ministry fits in with that. And, and so that's, that's their body. That's how she recognizes what, what, is, what is going on with them at their church. So, um, that's just that. an example it's of kind of. Yeah.
1: You you can actually just look around and say who are the people here and what are they doing and what is how is God using them and just kind of observe the people and their gifts and callings and if it's Stephen Ministry you know it's it's going to be obvious because you'll see it right there.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of like just looking looking for the themes I guess within your church. What mm-hmm. are the themes that are um, that are presenting themselves?
1: That's great. Well, you have four Ps. listed. you have people, and then the next one you <laughs> see is processes um so what what are you thinking there with the processes we're trying to look at what is the uniqueness of my parish right so we've got what right. are the people and the uniquenesses of the people and what are they doing and then you've got processes here tell me a little bit about how you would look at the processes that are happening in your church
0: i would identify processes as something that's probably not so visible and okay. it might only be known or visible to maybe the vestry even or just the clergy but every church has had to hash out some kind of system or process that works for them and they figured it out you know it worked this this system works for them they tweaked it they've improved it over time and it's not something that's going to be readily seen but it's maybe more how you operate so an example would be how are you how do you start and maintain a relationship with a school in your community or with a different church how do you support a pastor and the church through a sabbatical? These are processes that, that mm-hmm. churches have had yeah. to formulate. And there's no reason that one process for one church can't also work for another church. Struggle feel, it feels like you're
1: encouraging us to to sort of step away from our local church a little bit and look back at it and say some things that maybe we're used to or take for granted and just look at those maybe from an outsider's lens it kind of it kind of makes me um want to encourage everybody to to survey visitors and uh, maybe even have folks from other churches come in and visit you um i've had this happen before where you have a christian from another church visit for a couple of weeks and then you know interview that person um just another way to kind of get some outside eyes but but even from inside the church just opening our eyes to see those processes
0: Yeah, you're right. We sometimes just take those things for granted and, but yet we've had to work those out and, um, somebody else could benefit from that, you know, a different church can benefit from that process.
1: Okay. So we have people, we have processes, and then I see programs there. That's come, I mean, for some people programs is kind of a dirty word. It's like, you know, it symbolizes for some people, um, I don't know, corporate or something like that. What are What are you thinking is the, the way to understand programs in a way that helps us understand our uniqueness?
0: Well, I don't really like the word program either, but it does right. start with a P. So it starts okay. with a P, so it fit in with, this. It fit in it fit. with the thing. It's an
1: alliteration. There it is. So. Right,
0: right. I, I like alliteration. So I describe programs as being ongoing ministries that okay. speak to who you are as a church. So what is your, your children's catechesis? Maybe that's a program you do really well. Maybe you do nursing home ministry really well. Um, maybe you have figured out a homeless ministry or you're partnering with a food bank uh, with, and you have a really great relationship with them. Maybe you have a house of, house of prayer. And um, you know these are all ongoing, consistent ministries that they'll speak back to who you are as a church, what your values are. And it might be a great way to start identifying uh, because it's so visual, because it's so visible. It, it's mm. a great way to start thinking about what is our, what does our church have to give? Um, maybe you you could say, okay, what program more than any other program would I tell a stranger about
1: that's going on in our church?
0: And that's that might, great. you know, help get that's the ball rolling about thinking about that.
1: I love it. Yeah, that's a great rule of thumb. What would I tell someone else about and what, what programs should we been operating? And then you know, maybe this is kind of a connected one, but you have projects. Maybe this is like a kind of like a program, but but it's more of a time limit. It has a, a time when it starts and a time when it finishes. Is that what you're thinking with projects?
0: Yeah, I was just thinking ones that are projects that are more sporadic, um, one-off type opportunities, uh, but maybe you've developed a system over time with them. Like maybe your church is really good at deploying work crews for crisis situations. Um, and that might, you know, a crisis situation isn't something that's constantly ongoing, but maybe, uh, you've developed a system to, to do that when it is needed. Um, you know, maybe you have an ongoing partnership with the local school where, you know, every so often you're doing some improvements to the school. There's one church that, that is doing overseas well building. They're a very, very small church, but, um, they are they're consistently doing that, but each one is a different project because you know they're just doing them as they raise the funds, and uh, each one is in a different location and and so you know that's just another example of of a of a of a project for them. and so those are also again things that you can look to a visible thing to say what what are we doing? what what is our church about what are how are we on mission? You know, what is our mission?
1: Yeah, and that could be like anything from vacation Bible school that happens every year, but only, you know, for, for a week or two. And then sure. for, um, you know, like you said, relief trips or maybe short term missions trips and then um, right. meeting particular needs. And I'm looking at these four. You could almost do a survey. I don't know if it has to be a formal survey, but you could have a process where you, it could anything from a formal survey to just observation and anecdotes. But coming up with these four P's, people, processes, programs. Projects. What I what I like about what you're doing here, because I think some people might be thinking, okay, you know, w- if we say that we're really like, for example, if we say we're a really hospitable church, are are we suggesting that other areas, like say, being a church that's known for teaching resources, for example, are we saying that somehow, you know, we're weak in teaching or something? And and it sounds like you're coming kind of doing what people would call a strengths-based approach. What are the strengths of our parish? And because You know, you mentioned at the beginning, we're part of a diocese. Every local church doesn't necessarily have to be um, strong in every area because we can kind of rely on each other. Uh, It's okay to say, what are we really particularly called to do? Even though we're all called to teach and we're all called to be hospitable, what is our particular charism or gift? Um, And I I love that strength-based approach. Have you ever encountered that, though, where people feel like every church has to be gifted in every single area?
0: Yeah, you get that sense of oh well, we're not doing this, and and Scripture says to do this. Well, you know, it, we don't think it that way about people. You know, we wouldn't say yeah. oh, you as a person have to do every single one of these, and that would be that would be absurd. Yeah, you know, you you can't, and you and you're so grateful for the person who is this one way, right? Because you know you can rely yeah. on them in this in this in this manner, and and there's no reason why. We should expect the church to embody every single gift as a whole. And, and that's also just spreading yourself so thin when you, yeah. when you think about it that way, too. It, it's just not, it's not feasible. And there's no reason why we can't, you know, a church can't focus on one aspect and, and be really good at it. And, and what a blessing that is to everyone else.
1: Well, and that's why, you know, I, I kind of end up being a broken record sometime about the communications, because that's a fantastic way for us to rely on each other's strengths and not feel like we all have to be, each each church has to be all things to all people, but the whole diocese together, alongside other faithful Christians and other traditions, and, and of course, the rest of the province and the world. But we're relying on each other, and we're not necessarily having to to do it all ourselves so um, we have you know we have a great opportunity to share And you're surveying everybody you're looking at your diocese, you're saying what are we unique and it's great to do it and then you, you have a case study here where you're looking at the four P's and you're looking at what what part of the body is my parish through the lens of uh, hospitality at Old North Abbey tell us a little bit about Old North Abbey and, and how that emerged as um, as an obvious gift that the Holy Spirit had given to the church
0: I think it once again it came from kind of like a top-down leadership type thing where our rector heavily encourages that and because it was heavily encouraged everyone I think just got on board with that and but then I also think you just have individual people who are also just really good at that and and that kind of just gets brought out I think um, when it's encouraged by the church and so it's one of our stated values um, at Old North Abbey hospitality and. Um, it really comes out a lot in, um, you know, just being together a lot. We just have a lot of personal contact with visitors or with, with hosting people, um, and we just encouraging participation at all levels. Like just, you know, never wanting to exclude any member or, you know, different group of the church. We, you know, involving youth in. As much as we can, and by inviting participation at all levels, it just creates an atmosphere that everyone is welcome, everyone is loved and cared for, and um, it doesn't matter whether you're a visitor or whether you've been coming for a long time, we want you to be welcomed into worship.' This, just the same. And uh, I, I think it's just it's just a yeah, I've broken it down there in the handout of you know those four Ps, again of how, how it shows itself in all those different ways, um, but that might be a good so example at the, to the people, people when are trying one. to brainstorm.
1: Exactly, and, and looking at the people one, how do people at Old North Abbey get involved in um, welcoming newcomers or maybe somebody that's going through grieving the grieving process? Um, how, do they, how do they get involved in that? Is there a formal kind of a program where they can sign up to do those things, or is there a person that kind of coordinates everybody or all of the above?
0: I think it's kind of all of the above. It's not real formal and it's yeah. more of that's where things get kind of hard when you're evaluating yourself, right? There's kind of an intangible quality of these things are being promoted. And so you kind of have to look for the you have to look for the tangible and okay, we have we're starting a bread baking ministry where we're We want to bring bread to the community we want to give bread to visitors when they come and it's something handmade that we can give that we made with care and it's for them it's a gift and so that's a tangible thing but then there's you know kind of the intangible of just greeting people and welcoming people and hey inviting them for inviting them for a meal whether they're somebody you haven't seen for a while or whether they're new or whether they're an old friend you know encouraging people getting together outside of church and and having a meal together so you kind of have both those qualities that sometimes are hard to define and sometimes they're easy to define and we're just trying to get a little bit of of a handle on you know all of that (laughs) trying
1: to trying to
0: encourage the the evaluating of all of that with kind of the the four p's there
1: okay so you're taking old north as an example you you can survey that and say wow god has particularly gifted us with this and on your handout page three we'll we'll make this available on our website with this um, there's a survey that you can kind of take and walk through with your church. And then the final page there talks about within our diocese, we have a parish network. Now it's a group on Facebook. So there are a church like old North Abbey that has an experience of hospitality with visitors or with folks going through difficult times um, or just, just, you know, just anybody um, sharing life together. How can that story be shared with one another? And how can we rely on you guys? We've got this a dot. Tell us a little bit about the a dots parish network and, um, what's going on there and how it's supposed to function.
0: Well, the ADOS parish network is kind of a first step in trying to connect people laterally like you were talking about earlier, and uh, especially laity. The, the clergy have a lot of means of ke- communication with each other and networking with each other, which is really great, but the laity don't really have that kind of network with each other, don't really have a way to uh, connect uh, centrally and get to know, okay, who is, in charge of this ministry at this church and uh, who might know about this and that. And so the Adopts Parish Network is a is a closed Facebook group. You can search for it. You can just search on Facebook Adopts Parish Network and it will come up. And it's just a place to for clergy and laity to ask questions, to share resources with each other, links of things that are helpful, and to discover how our different churches are ministering. Um, you know, within our church and in the communities, so that we can we can learn from e- from each other. And again, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel when other churches have you know figured out a process for themselves that could also work for you, or have a great resource for how to start a homeless ministry if that is uh, a desire of the hearts of people in their church. Things like that.
1: That's great. So that's a place where I'm I'm sitting here in in uh, a church. And in Georgia, and I'm thinking, okay, we have some great teenagers, but we really never had a ministry to youth, and it's never been something that, that we've had here, and we'd love to learn more about it. I could go to the parish network, and I could type in, you know, hey, is there anybody that has a very strong youth ministry that could just share, you know, some of the curriculum you're using, some of the structure and programming you have, how do you do your training, how do you get buy-in from the rest of the church, you know, what has your process been, um, that's the place where somebody could go for those ideas and share, share those ideas with one another, right? Or, or even ask for ideas, you know, what are, what are you guys doing about this or that?
0: Absolutely, and who is your, you know, who can be a contact there that I can call up and, and, and talk in depth with us about? And it kind of, it, just to build more of a, kind of a contact list or just uh, diocesan resource group you know of to be able to connect with each other and ask those kind of questions like you're talking about and You know, we we were kind of going through that with our church with we realized how many kids we had um, Who were you know elementary and going into middle school age and how do we create a kind of a catechism for them? that's engaging but it's not entertainment and these were questions that we had kind of all of a sudden, and this is the kind of place where we can, you know, ask those kind of questions.
1: Yeah, and and, and again, that lateral communication, There, you know, those are places where folks who are doing a particular ministry can talk to other folks doing that ministry and form a group or a network, and maybe down the road there will be more specific connections or networks. At this point, we're just keeping it open. It's just, if you're in a parish yeah. and you're doing any form of ministry... And you want to ask a question about ministry or share an idea or a story or ask for prayer or encouragement or anything like that, feel free to do it there. We also have uh, an email address. It's news at Many of you who are listening have already talked to Rachel, have been interviewed by her or shared a story with her. Some haven't. A lot of people, I think, still really aren't aware yet of what we're doing with helping parishes tell their stories. So I would encourage anybody that's listening that this is kind of new for you to join that parish network to send Rachel an email at news at adots.org. If you have something going on in your parish that you want to share, we would be happy to help write it up, publish it, and then you'd be more than welcome to publish it in your parish newsletter or website or anything like that. We want to help you tell the story of what God's doing in your church. You can also go to our website, adots.org. You can click on news there in the top right. You'll see all these stories and things that are going on all over the diocese, the province. Um, Again, you can go on Facebook at uh, Anglican Diocese of the South or Twitter at dots underscore ACNA and wherever. I feel, Rachel, I feel kind of like an official podcaster whenever I say (laughs) wherever podcasts are found. You can find our podcast. (laughs) Um, It just just feels official, although it's a pretty simple process. Um, And we do send out a, a news roundup. We won't flood your email box with tons of emails, but we send a monthly most of the time it's monthly newsletter that that has all the articles that have been published and then announcements and stories for you it follows the ministry of the bishop the bishops and keeps everybody updated we can't get information to you unless we have your email address so go to slash subscribe or just go to the website the home site and just click on subscribe there Rachel anything uh, any other resource or anything you want to point anybody towards or we kind of summarized all of that
0: I think you pretty much covered it there. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. (laughs) You can tell I do this at a different place. (laughs) Yeah, you do. Yes, I can tell. And, uh, you know, it's been such a benefit for me to hear about all these stories. And um, so I really do hope that, you know, more and more people in the diocese start learning about these stories, too, from across, you know, from all these different parishes, because it's just been such a benefit for me personally. Um, I, I would love for everyone to just feel so just to feel connected with each other in that way. And um, I've told people, you know, sometimes during, during prayers of the people um, and we're praying for another church in the diocese, I'll think, oh, I know that place. I know a little bit about that place anyway. And I didn't before. And that just it just helps me to be able to pray for them even just in that moment and, uh, and just to feel connected with them. And I, I just hope that for everyone else in, in the diocese as well.
1: I love that because I've had that feeling, too. I've been visiting churches around the diocese for a few years, and, and I'll have that feeling of friendship and connection because I've met people and I've worked with them right. prayed with them and gone through challenges together and, and just enjoyed victories together and praise God. And then you want to share that with everybody else so everybody can experience what God's yes. up to and, and just, you know, just enjoy life together, enjoy ministry together. Um, okay, well, I have two, two more questions here at the end. One is, can you tell us real quickly a little bit about the advent calendar that you have created and it's been published on our Facebook page?
0: Yeah, just a, a short background on it. Um, I was looking for an advent calendar to do with my own kids that was not candy-based or gift-based in some way. I just, I really wanted it to be uh, kind of just deeper than that. And My own mother-in-law used to do this with her kids, where I think she just had a really big book of saints and the history and and legends surrounding different saints, and she would read them each night a history of of a saint. And so, what I ended up doing, following that same idea, was looking at what are the saint feast days for every day in December. And some some days in the Anglican calendar do not have a specific saint, and so I drew those from other Maybe Orthodox calendars, Um, Mm -hmm. but most of them are in the Anglican calendar of saints. And um, so I just took some of their histories, and some of them are, you know, it's maybe more a little bit of a legend, but mostly it's following their their actual history. And uh, so there's a for each day in Advent, starting on December first, anyway, um, you'll have a picture of a saint, you know, usually an icon. And then a short description of, you know, their life and how they served God. And it's been really beneficial, not just for the kids to hear those stories and for us to remember who came before us, but also just for me, now that I've done it, the same saints, you know, it's the same, the same ones every year because you're following the calendar. And so, uh, now, having done it for two or three years, I think with them, I'm remembering those saints throughout the year, and so I'll think of their story when maybe when I'm thinking of something in particular, you know, when I'm learning of something in particular, and I can think, oh, this saint really embodied that, or um, you know, oh, here here's how they dealt with a with a problem, and it's really been just been beneficial for me as you know, even as an adult, to hear those to hear those stories, to remember that there are people before us um, that, you know, we are standing on the shoulders of other people throughout, throughout the ages. And, uh, it's, I think it's just a really lovely thing at, during Advent and and leading up to Christmas to, to, uh, to do. And, um, it's been, it's been wonderful for our family. So I was, I'm happy to share that with, with others.
1: I just realized too, I'll, I'll repost that today on our website because it is, it originally was posted a year ago. It's on our Facebook page, but If we repost it, everybody will be able to just go to ADOTS.org, and you'll see in our news feed, you'll see a new post there. And the final question I have is you mentioned hospitality. I know that you and your family have hosted me when I have visited Old North Abbey, but you've also hosted Bishop Frank. So the big burning question is which of your clergy guests has been the best guest? Which one's your favorite (laughs) guest to host at your house? Oh,
0: my goodness. Well, you've been there. We need time. an answer.
1: We need, a, <laughs> we need I an have, answer. Yeah, I, mean, I even have my own room, right? Isn't it like the Canon Greg room or Father Greg room or The, Greg
0: room? It's it's the, the Canon. It's the Canon Greg room.
1: <laughs> yeah, Unfortunately, we okay.
0: no longer have a guest room in our new place. I'm so yeah. sad because it was really fun to to host um to host you to host Bishop Frank. It's just a it's just a really great time and and it's again it's it's just a fun way to get to know you know, the diocese and everything. And, and that was really wonderful. So we were glad to have, to have you both.
1: Well, always enjoyed it. We appreciate your work that you're doing and all the ministry and getting to know everybody and helping all of us communicate with each other better. So thanks for doing it. Um, thanks for talking. Thank you. God bless you.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Ken and Greg. We appreciate it. Anglican Diocese of the South. Thank you for listening.